on today's show, Houston Rockets midseason grades part two. What are the next steps for Jalen Green in his Houston Rockets career? Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason showing great progress here in year two. And the rookies, Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore, have shown so much promise in limited minutes. We're going to unpack it all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including... YouTube to search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. It's the best way you can help the show out every single day. And as always, thank you so much for making the show part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everyday or making the show part of your day every single day. Joining us now for part two of your Houston Rockets midseason review, midseason grades, is none other than your weekly co-host, the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bijani, who can track down on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. We've got a loaded episode here for part two of our Houston Rockets midseason review. We're going to start with none other than Jalen Green, who's become a bit of a polarizing figure amongst Rockets fans. Then we're going to get into Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, the forward duo who are making significant strides in their second years in the NBA. And then we'll wrap things up talking about the rookies. Amin Thompson, Cam Whitmore have shown some serious flashes in a limited run so far this season. Alicon, this is we're not we're not we're not pulling any punches. We're coming out swinging right out of the gate because we could talk. We got to talk about Jalen Green, and uh, unfortunately, the conversation centered around Jalen Green this season has not been great for a variety of reasons. Um, now, I will say right here from the jump that mm-hmm. I've been disappointed in in what we've seen from Jalen Green this season, and I haven't I haven't hidden that at all. I've, I've talked about that. Uh, ad nauseum here on this very show and in, in various yeah. episodes, whatever. But I want to provide a little bit of context, right? I do think that, and I, I think I'm a victim of this and I think fans are a victim of this is I think that Jalen fell victim to this idea of like a year three leap, right? Of like, Oh, he's, he's going to mm-hmm. be a star in year three. You look at the Anthony Edwards of the world, the John Morant's of the yeah. world. And we kind of talked ourselves into this idea of, Oh, Jalen's going to hit year three email. Let's go. Like it's, and it and it hasn't happened. But not only has it ha- has it not happened, it'd be one thing if he was kind of like, you know, in a holding pattern, you yeah. know, playing at a certain level but not taking that leap. It feels like he's actively regressed in certain areas. He's gotten better in others. He's he's improved as a defender, his ability to make reads offensively as a playmaker, that has gotten better. But it feels like in the one area that he's supposed to be thriving, which is to be a scorer, that's what he was drafted to be, to be an alpha level scorer, it feels like he's actually actively regressed in that regard for what could be a variety of reasons. And so I think that's where we have to start when we're evaluating and looking at Jalen Green's season is I think objectively you have to look at it and say it's been a disappointing season so far. 
I do want to ask you, Jackson, and let's go out, go ahead and say, what is your grade for Jalen so far? C minus or D plus. Okay. Um, I'm going to be in that C area. Um, I'm actually going to give him a solid C. So you let's, let's start with you. You had a lower grade. I know you kind of talked about a little, a little bit earlier, but D, I mean, I didn't think you would give any Rockets player a D. So curious kind of what goes into you giving him a D plus. So my whole thing with Jalen is look at the end of the day, I don't, nobody's asking him to, to be like, the second coming of MJ. Nobody's asking him to be Kobe. Nobody's asking him to go out there and hero ball and carry the Rockets to wins. What we've seen or or what we haven't seen from Jalen this year is, especially early on when this team was was really competitive and in so many of these early games against really good teams, the, the, the games that they dropped early on against good, better opponents, it felt like they were a consistent Jalen Green away from winning more of those games to where you could have looked at the schedule back through about 20 games through like the quarter season mark and I feel like they could have very easily been like 15 and five, 16 and four. If they had just had a Jalen green that was knocking down the wide open shots that he was getting, that was, you know, making better decisions offensively, not driving into traffic and putting up these, whatever kind of shots at the rim, struggling to finish at the rim, struggling to knock down wide open shots outside. And I think that at the end of the day, all he has to do to be a consistent you know, positive piece of this Rockets rotation is just knock down open shots. And I get that there's going to be some games where you just don't have it. There's there's off shooting nets. I get that. But it's been more than that. It's been wildly mm-hmm. inconsistent to where he has a stretch of two to three really good games where you're like, oh, wow, there's like future star potential there. And then he has stretches of games where you're, you know, there's a legitimate argument that guys like Aaron Holiday or Cam Whitmore or whoever down the Rockets bench, Reggie Bullock, would be a better serviceable player on the floor because he's just not providing you enough of the other things if he's not scoring the ball. So I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of went into that. I'm going to give him, like I said, a C and the only reason I'm not giving him lower is because Jackson, honestly, I do see the process. And what I, what I mean by process is like, okay, boom, boom. In his mind, he's thinking, okay, I see Loma in here. Okay. I see, Hey guy, guys at the nail. Okay. Here I see all this. I think one thing that I want to bring up that I've been thinking about is from a physical perspective, he's added a lot of weight this off season. They tried to bring it like a, a awakening that was gradual and it has been, but I would, I would venture to say this is his first season where he's playing with a, a, a solid NBA level body. He's added more muscle to his upper body. He's able to kind of observe contact at a higher rate than he did previous two seasons. Um, he's just essentially, he's added more weight. Right. And, and I, I still think that he's still adding to his frame. I think his frame can still grow out. I'm going to compare him to Al P for a second. I think Al P's, body right now is completely NBA ready. Actually, maybe let's not say completely. Maybe there's obviously room to grow, but you're noticing how Alpi added more muscle to his legs and also upper body weight. He's holding his own. He's doing better in the post. He still has a ways to improve there. He's handling better in, in the interior defensively. He's, he's still able to kind of move enough laterally along the perimeter when he's defending, you know, he growing into his body has done him, better right as he's taken it as he's taken on some of these nba level bigs and as a credit to lp my question is jackson and this is something we can discuss over the next like several weeks is jalen's body right now to a point where it's nba ready 
And if it is NBA ready, is he used to that body? I think I think that's that's a question that that, that bears conversation because you know friends of the show. Nathan Fogg and others on Twitter have talked about how he's had this hang dribble, for example, or there's like other things he's trying to work on in his game that you're seeing on a game to game basis. And it makes it seem like that, like he's, he's, he's learning how to be able to have a change of pace or more consistent change of pace. Part of that is just learning how to play properly. And part of that is also maybe potentially adjusting to his NBA body, not giving an excuse, just something I'm I'm thinking about, you know, as I'm looking at Jalen, um, from this season, but ultimately it's going to come down to role Jackson in, in his role right now. He's, he's supposed to be an anchor as a scorer. He needs to be a secondary pick and roll player to a point when they started the season. I mean, you are what the coaches want you to be at the start of the season. They put him in Jalen only lineups. And what I mean by Jalen only, it was a stretch big in Jeff green and they put defenders around him to kind of help him on the perimeter, and they're like, hey, you know what, Jalen, here's the ball. Go score in transition. Go score in the half court with the pick and roll. Get a pick and pop, attack downhill with your speed, drive and kick. And he wasn't successful. He struggled at creating separation. He struggled at times at being able to make the right pass. And he struggled at times to be able to just score around the rim. And then there's times where he's explosive and aggressive and he makes it. Consistency is the name of the game. So that's why I think about Jackson is his body. Like, is he used to his body? Is his body even NBA ready? But also his role. Is he in a situation mentally where he's comfortable with his role? Is this the right role for him? And let's see what happens. One more point real quick, Jackson, that I want want to say is that I think there's two options we're heading to towards the trade deadline. Okay. One option is you're going to trade Jalen Green. And the other option is you're going to keep him. Now, listeners may be like, well, of course, Ali Khan, that's, that's, that's what's, that's, it's 50, 50. Those are the only either two options, Ali Khan. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean by that is that it, it's going to really tell me what this team not only thinks of Jalen, but also who is at the top of the hierarchy. If they do decide to trade Jalen, that means they're supremely confident in Alper and Shangun being a franchise cornerstone and Jabari Smith Jr. be the second best player of this team. And then one of Amen or Cam as the rookies elevating and becoming that third guy. Okay. That's if they trade him and they believe that, you know what, Jalen maybe is better get a change of scenery. Let's get somebody who can, we can use to build around our franchise cornerstone and opera in Shangun. Okay. That's, that's one way. The second way and kind of where I'm leaning is look, Jalen still has an opportunity to be an all-star level guard. Um, Let's let's see what happens. Let's kind of continue giving that time. Let's help him grow into his body. Let's let's help him do all these different things and see what happens. I'm leaning towards that because I don't think you should just let go of a second overall pick. But then it comes down to also, Jackson, are you trying to win this season or are you also trying to figure out what you have in your young players? I have a follow-up question for you on that exact point, Ali Khan. Plus, we got to get to Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, the forward duo for your Houston Rockets. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. The first name on this list, a guy that the Rockets are going to get a very good look at very soon, Brandon 
Miller, Brandon Miller should be seeing a big uptick in usage with Terry Rozier being shipped out to the Miami Heat, and that makes him a must-have roster player in fantasy basketball. So definitely be on the lookout for Brandon Miller in all of your fantasy basketball leagues. Next guy... Another guy, the Rockets are going to be able to get a, get a very close look at and a potential uh, Houston Rockets trade target, Nick Richards. Mark Williams doesn't appear to be coming back anytime soon, so Richards is going to have an extended run at center, putting up solid fantasy numbers in the process. So a couple Charlotte Hornets guys that you're going to want to pay attention to. Now, Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, the same as with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your car stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ali Khan, you brought up what I think is is the most interesting point here when it comes to this team is the messaging was clear from not just not the not even media day go further, but the messaging was clear the moment they hired Ime Udoka. This team wanted to take the next step. They want to move the you know, phase two, all the buzzwords, all that stuff. So if the goal of this team is to be competitive and to win games and to and they want to make a, a postseason run, however short-lived, whatever capacity, whether that's 10th seed play-in tournament or if they're trying to carve out a spot higher than that in, in the Western Conference seedings, whatever. That's route number one. Route number two is you're prioritizing the development of the young guys. You're willing to lose some games. You're willing to lose some quarters, lose some games, take some L's in the schedule because you are focused on the long-term development of this team. And right now, I get mixed signals from the organization, from the coaching staff yep. as to Absolutely. what their goals are. And the problem is it feels like they're straddling a fence where they're trying to do both and at this yes. point, they're doing a disservice by doing that because I feel like you kind of have to lean all the way into one or the other. You either got to yes. either you got to move on and bench Jalen Green and put a better player in the lineup when he's killing you, or you you say you know what we're gonna live with the we're gonna take our lumps. If Jalen's struggling, that's fine. We're gonna stick with him. We're gonna run with him. But this back and forth that Ime is doing, where there's certain games where Jalen, where he's like he's like shadow benching Jalen in certain games, right? Where he'll like he, he'll sit for 12 minutes in the first half, and you're like, how's he gonna be able to get a rhythm? How's he gonna get this going? Whatever. So my argument here is, is at some point though there is like an opportunity cost. So if you're the Rockets and you do think that you still believe at some point down the line Jalen still has all-star potential and that he can get it figured out and that he can turn it around and he can he can be a productive winning member of a winning basketball team, that's great. But what does that look like, right? How long does it take to get there? Is he still a, a is he still a starter on that version of the team? Is he coming off the bench? Is he more of a primary ball handler? Is he playing more off ball? I don't think they even know the answers to these questions is the problem. And that's problematic when you set yourself up going into a season by advocating for phase two and taking the next step and Ime talking about he's never missed the playoffs and all this stuff. So I think the team itself is fighting with like this internal, like they've got two different goals and they don't exactly line up very well, unfortunately. I, I, I think that's an excellent point you're making, Jackson. And it kind of takes me to 
you need to figure out what ultimately the goal is on the court, right? When you're playing on the court and you're benching Jalen Green for the last few minutes, but then ultimately, like, you're letting him start, you're letting him do all these things, that already itself sends a mixed signal, right? Like, you're, t- you're talking about if, if truly it's Jalen who you think is the problem or whoever you think is the problem. If you truly don't want to miss the playoffs, you have to set yourself up to cont- try to win every single game. And just Jackson, right now, I just don't, I, I don't know. And I, I think that's the, the honest answer is there is mixed signals. And I'm, I'm curious to kind of see what happens from here. But in regards to Jalen, right, in regards to Jalen, that's who we're talking about. Do you think it's time to move on from him in regards to is he not somebody who you can see winning with this team? No, and look, I said as much the other day on the show. I'm not I'm not at the point of trade Jalen for the sake of trading Jalen. That seems like a disservice to him, and it, it seems like bad asset management as an organization. Now, if there's a trade out there that's a good trade that makes sense for the organization, by all means, go for it. There, there is not a single untouchable player on this roster. I, you, you could trade Shangun, you could trade Jabari, whatever, for the right price, right? If somebody comes knocking, there's a disgruntled superstar, whatever. Point is, if there's a good trade out there, then absolutely you listen and and you negotiate. That's that's Rafelstone's job. I do think there's a path forward for Jalen to potentially still be a, a contributing winning member of this team, but it doesn't feel like it's in the starting lineup. It just it fe- his entire skill set right now feels like that of a sixth man, which is kind of crazy because you know six months ago we would have had this conversation and we would have been skewered for it. The poor David Ramil from over at Locked On Heat and Locked On NBA suggested before the season that Jalen Green might just be a sixth man, and I will say at the time I thought that was premature. At the time, I thought that take was a little premature. We hadn't seen what Jalen looked like next to a legitimate starting caliber NBA point guard in Fred Van Vliet. We hadn't seen what he looked like with a, a high-quality head coach in Ime Odoka in assist in a, on a team with structure and accountability and a hierarchy. We hadn't seen any of that. Now we've seen all of that for the better part of a little, a little more than half a season. We've seen the coaching staff deploy a variety of methods to try and get Jalen Green going, to try to get him involved. We talked about the Jalen-only lineups early in the season where he was running the second unit. We've talked about the fact previously that, you know, Ime comes out in certain games and he spins the first three, four, five plays in a row trying to get Jalen Green going right out of the gate in the first quarter where he'll do the same thing sometimes in the third quarter where he'll come out and he'll very intentionally run a bunch of sets to try and get Jalen going. And then there's the benches on top of that, all of this. So we've got a half season sample size, which might not be enough for some people, but I think it's, it's enough to where you have to start considering some alternatives. And I don't think it's fair to just, bury your head in the sand and say, oh, give him to the end of the year and then figure out in the offseason. Because those are those are the types of decisions that land NBA teams in purgatory. Because if you make that type of decision where you're just like, oh, just give him time, give him more time, he needs more time. No, at some point you're going to have to make a decision with what his role is going to be moving forward. And so what I'd like to see from the team is I'd like to see them adjust his role. They've deployed him in pretty much, it feels like, every way possible as a starter, playing him on ball, off ball, more two-man game with Shingun, less two-man game, get him in transition, run him with the bench unit. They've done all of it. And it feels like none of it has really stuck to where he is found a consistent rhythm or a consistent pattern to his game where he can be, you know, a positive impact player every single game. So try something new. Bring him off the bench. See what that does. That's kind of where I'm at before, before approaching any conversations about trading him or whatever, bring off, bring him off the bench and see if that 
resonates with him to where then he's able to play better in that role. I got three last points on Jalen, and hopefully we we can move on to Jabari. Number one, Jalen's shooting really well coming off of screens where he's coming off of handoffs and immediately going up zero dribble kind of shots. That's something LP needs in order to unlock him even more because you're running a lot of kind of Fred LP pick and rolls where Fred kind of rejects the screen or goes in one direction. LP stops in a short roll. You go from there, right? Imagine if LP had somebody who's just immediately running around screens, gets around his screen and jacks up a shot and can make it. I think Jalen can do that. That's something he's shown this season. LP and him have really good chemistry, can open a lot of doors. I hope Ime Yudoka sees that and can hopefully implement that more and get him going. I, I still believe in Jalen. Number two, this was always going to be a question we had to ask. They were going to have six picks, right? We thought we have we talked about the six kind of group of six. At one point, it was eight young players. When you have high number one draft picks and you're choosing to keep those number one draft picks, number one, you're not going to have a lot of opportunities. And number two, with those lack of opportunities comes decisions. You've already seen two decisions with Usman Garuba and Tai Tai Washington. This is another example of not roster cutting, but also roster management. What do you do with Jalen Green? If it wasn't going to be Jalen, it could have been Alperin Shangun. What do you do with Alperin Shangun if he was also in this situation, right? Where if he was struggling. So this was always going to be a thing that happened once they drafted, you know, all those young players in the first round three years ago. Now as a matter of it's time to make those decisions. Time is due. Payment is due. And it's trying to see what they're what they're going to do. Lastly, you have to figure out what type of young team you're going to be. Are you the Oklahoma City Thunder of last year where you're, you know, you're just trying to develop and kind of see what happens and, and sneak in and play well? Or are you the Orlando Magic where you're like this season? You don't care who's who. You're going to play who's going to help you win basketball games and be successful. And it all it'll all work itself out. And I'm curious to see who the Rockets choose as a as a kind of a path uh, to be who they want to be. Is it last year's Thunder? Is it this year's Orlando Magic? Because that will tell me also a lot of what their plans are moving forward in terms of roster construction and trying to win. So those are the, those are my last three points. I just want to point out the absolute disrespect to Rockets legend Josh Christopher, and you did not include him in the uh, casualties of the rebuild because he was absolutely he was picked he was picked ahead of Garuba, dude. That's rude. That's messed up. Sorry. Well, let's go. Let's go to Jabari no, Smith well, Jr. I, I at want, number three. I, I will. I will add. I, we're going to get to Jabari in one second. So I'm going to add one final point here, and then we'll wrap up the yeah, Jalen yeah. part of the discussion. You know, I think the 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 path to success for Jalen, whether it's continued as a starter or whether it's coming off the bench in some capacity, whatever, it's very clear he's got to figure out his shooting. The the shooting you cannot yeah. be. Like simply put, you just Jalen doesn't finish consistently enough in and around the rim. He's not he big, he's not big and strong. He's not an elite defender. He's not an elite playmaker. He has to be elite at something to be on the floor. You can't just be okay at a bunch of stuff or even whatever passable it, it, whatever. He's got to figure out the shot. And unfortunately, this is the reality of the situation. In high school, Jalen Green shot thirty five point one percent from three. In the G League, he thought he shot 36.5% from three, and that was the number that we were going off of, right? The pre-draft cycle, all that, and we kind of thought we had, we'd hoped, hey, that hope, if that number's real, this kid has, has a lot of special talent. If he can be a 36% or higher three-point shooter, you combine that with the, the elite athleticism, that's why he went number two overall. That's why he was widely regarded as one of the top picks in the draft. But then every year since then, his three-point percentage has regressed. His rookie year, 34.3%. Last year, 33.8%. This year so far, 32%. 
So it was a 16 game sample size of him shooting at 36 and a half percent in the G league. And that's, what's so dangerous about those G league sample size. And even, even to a lesser degree, right? College sample sizes, the, the sample size just isn't big enough. And we had the same worry about Jabari Smith jr's three point shooting because we thought, we thought we, the Rockets were getting a knockdown three point sniper, but he didn't have a ton of volume when he was at Auburn. And so then when he didn't translate immediately as a shooter, Rockets fans were, oh my God, the sky is falling because, but now you look at Jabari and he's got it figured out. But I do think for Jalen, we're getting to a point where the sample size of him being a bad shooter is a lot greater than the sample size of him being a good shooter. Absolutely. And and like, I'm, I'm glad you stopped me before we were going to Jabari to say this. Uh, I think with Jalen and I'm sure they've, they know this internally. I think you need to figure out what is he good at? and just try to run five or six of those plays per game and build up a rhythm or confidence and get him going. The, you know, the last game they played against Portland, they ran a few of those empty corner sets. And to me, that's where he's at his best, where he doesn't have to think about who's coming from the weak side or whatever. He knows he has an open line to the rim because he's so fast and he can confidently just go do that. Build that rhythm with him. Jalen's a Good player. Build his rhythm and see what happens. Okay. So I I I I'm still I'm still, you know, a believer. I think Jalen Green can be successful and be a good player in, in this league. I just think that hope if he can build a rhythm, that's what we'll see. And let's see if he can also execute on his end, right? Idoka can put him in situations, but it's also always going to be up to Jalen Green to be confident and 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 do the things that he needs to do. Coming up, we've got a bunch more names to get to. We did two segments on Jalen Green, so now we got to find time and space for Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, Amin Thompson, and Cam Whitworth. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Grammarly. When it comes to writing, Grammarly is there to support you from start to finish. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology you can trust to help you across all the places where you write the most. And now, Grammarly helps you do even more. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply with suggestions based on your context and goals so you can improve productivity for you and your team. I don't like, I don't know about you, but for me, Grammarly can be incredibly helpful when I'm like crafting, you know, a YouTube video and trying to come up with the, the episode title and the descriptions. And all I have to do is punch in a prompt, like give me 10 possible taglines for my, you know, my, my next locked on rockets episode or something like that. And it can be great because it's a great way to give you ideas, outlines, tips, all that kind of stuff to help you throughout your creative process. Maybe you have a big presentation coming up at work. You can let Grammarly create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transfer your ideas into a compelling presentation. So start being more productive with your work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free today. That's the best part about Grammarly. It is completely free to use. Again, go to Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's get into some of the other names on this uh, review episode. Allie, can we spent so much time on Jalen Green? Deservedly so. I mean, I think that, you know, the conversation warrants it. Um, but we got We got to give some flowers to the other, these other guys, because I think that and we're, this, the first guy we're going to talk about here, Jabari Smith Jr. Um, I've been so impressed with what he's done here in hey. year two. Um, yeah, a, a right out of the gate, a, um, what he's done here in year two, he's embraced his role as 
kind of, I don't want to say like, you know, doing the dirty work, whatever, but he just, he's embraced what he can be elite at, right? He has embraced being a great defender. He's embraced rebounding at a very high level. He's the team's best rebounder, like period. Um, he's embraced, which is crazy to say one year ago, you remember how much you remember how much I used to be. I I was so critical on his rebounding because he would just use his length to rebound. Like, no buddy, you have to be able to, to, you got to get physical. Out. You got to get big, right? And, and he and he like it was like tail end of last year. Like I remember there was a point in like March where like we kind of started seeing Jabari like figure out that he can't just be a high point rebounder. He can't just rely on the length. He has to actually yeah. do some of the dirty work to get those boards. And this year we're seeing him like bully guys under the rim for these rebounds. And some oh. of that is the off season and, and you know adding a little bit more muscle for sure. He's nowhere near done growing. It's going to be flexing. You know, He's think, flexing. Th- think you know four or five years from now when we have a fully grown. Jabari Smith Jr., you know, rebounding at an elite rate. Like, he's, again, the rebounding numbers have been impressive. Uh, and the offensive growth from him, right, to where we're seeing him at a place where he's able to put the ball on the floor, you know, attack off closeouts, finish well at the rim. We're seeing him at, at times. He's been a go-to piece for Ime Odoka, kind of right there, you know, in the high post area, get to his little face-up game elevate and shoot over the top of the defender or put his back to him and, and, and back him down and get to his little turnaround fadeaway. And that's felt like kind of a bread and butter move for Jabari's Majuna. He's shooting just under 40% from three this season. Uh, Jabari has been everything you could have wanted and more here in year two. And this is the guy that we thought we were getting when the Rockets drafted him, uh, you know, number three overall. It just took a little bit longer to get there. You know, the the thing you mentioned that's been most impressive to me is those closeouts. He's shooting the ball better, which is opening up some of those closets to happen. And it's quick. It's a one, two, I know what I'm going to do, right? One dribble, gather, pull up, jump shots made from the elbow. One, two, dribble into the paint, goes up for the layup, can finish. One, two, gets low to the ground, gets past the defender, goes up. It's quick decisions. It's not like last year where, oh, I caught it. One, two, three, four, five seconds. All these dribbles going by. Has to shoot a fadeaway. One, two, three, four. I want the ball. I, I got to figure out how to score all these different things. He's settled down. He's he's confident in what he what he wants to do. And he's getting to his spots, Jackson. It's not just closeouts and kind of going to a random part of the court. It's closeouts and let me drive to the elbow. It's closeouts and let me drive baseline and use the rim to be able to help me score. He's doing all these smart things around the rim. That's why his rim percent numbers have gone up. His mid-range numbers, for from the eye test perspective, it looks good. It's actually, in some parts, a little bit less in terms of uh, field goal percent from last year. But his volume compared to this time last year to this year is is obviously higher. So he he's playing better overall offensively. But most important thing for me, Jackson, is defensively. He is a guy who you can see who plays well with Alper and Shingun. I'm very excited to see how well they continue to play together. I do think when this team is finally healthy and you can have Dylan Brooks and Jabari and Alpi go back to playing well off each other and kind of letting the offense, you know, settle down their defense a little bit, you're going to see Jabari do what he did early on season he's he's been great one-on-one he's been very good run, coming around screens and and playing along the perimeter and i think right now he's arguably one of the best perimeter defenders on the team fully agree with with every point made there i think jabari jabari's defense the the leap that he really took this year defensively from last year where it, it would look like you know 
situationally, he'd get he'd get blown by on the perimeter, didn't have his feet in the right spots, you know, not in a good defensive stance. To where this year, you know, you, like, I think the game that really had like my jaw kind of dropped, my eyes were open was one of the uh, the early trip out to L.A. early this season against the Clippers, where he was it, in that given game against Clippers. He had possessions where he was guarding Harden, guarding Kawhi, yeah. guarding PG. And it didn't matter who he was guarding. He was playing great defense on whoever he was checking in that game, using his length, using his size, um, you know, moving his feet well, staying with guys when they attacked him off the dribble, all that kind of stuff. So cannot say enough good things about what Jabari Smith Jr. has done here in year two. Uh, and that brings us to another guy that we're probably going to heap a lot of praise onto, and that's Tari Eason, who uh, is sorely missed by this Rockets team. Uh, he's easily, you know, they, they've they've said it before. Eme said it. We we all know he's one of their most impactful players. When he's out there, good things happen, uh, be it defensively, offensively. He gives you extra possessions on offense by, you know, playing passing lanes and stealing the ball, uh, getting offensive boards, just doing all the dirty work stuff that Tari Eason, the Tari Eason's of the world take care of. Um, and this team just, they, they miss him, man. They miss his energy. They miss his impact off the bench. Uh, I really, you know, it, it feels weird to talk about Tari because we haven't seen him play in so long. Like, it's just like, like doing a review for Tari is kind of like, I don't know. I, I also want to highlight whoever made the call to like, let him play on that leg, the stress fracture or the stress reaction leg that he had. And then, like, worsen the situation to where now he has to randomly, like, sit out for, like, a straight, like, he's going to miss a chunk in the middle of the season. Like, I feel like that was some serious mismanagement by whoever made that call on the Rockets staff. And it's really unfortunate that it's impacted him because it's not like he's, like, a, you know, a guy who's had a bunch of injury issues in the past. He was a freaking Ironman last year, one of the only 10 players to play all 82 games last season. So... You, you, you know it must be bothering him. That's what's going on. You know, for me, Jackson, I don't know about you, I give him a B plus. Um, I think the shot can get better. I think his ball handling can get better. They've shown he's obviously shown improvements in both of those areas. I just I'm just talking about areas that he can continue to get better. Those are the two. Um, for me, it's just the rebounding and the presence he brings on the interior on both ends, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, and somebody who I am trusting now. When he's trying to make a calculated gamble, more oftentimes than not, it's successful. And I trust him to be able to make those types of plays as a free safety or even on the ball, kind of reading a left to right crossover or reading a pass from one wing to the other. He knows what's going on and he can kind of jump the gun and get it. And so I trust him enough. So that's why I give him a B plus. His ability to anticipate things defensively. It feels like it's some of it's just like that innate level of like, he just get it. Sometimes you just get it. And you've got guys who just mm -hmm. have an ability to like read what's happening and they just know what's going to happen before it actually does. Um, but it feels like his ability to anticipate certain things defensively, like you pointed out, right? The crossovers, whether it's man to man defense or playing passing lanes, that kind of stuff, shooting a gap um, to create a turnover that way. It mm -hmm. feels like that has, he's taken a step up and kind of leveled up in that regard. If there was one area that I would like kind of critique and, and, and would love to see him improve upon, it's the and this kind of goes hand in hand with the ball handling a little bit. Um, is just his ability to see the floor. Now I'm not asking Tari to be a playmaker, whatever. Like that's not he doesn't have to. I know exactly what you're referring but, to. But though. it's just like yeah. he, so sometimes Tari will get a rebound and he wants to go, 
And it's like, great, you're going, but if you're going to lead the break, if you're going to run the break, you have to have your head up on a swivel to figure out where everybody else is at. You can't drive and be tunnel visioned and just like, and sometimes it works because that's just kind of how Tari is, right? He'll he'll get the rebound and go coast to coast without acknowledging a single other Red Rockets jersey on the floor. And he'll still somehow finish it you know, at the rim through like a defender or two because he's just, he plays bully ball sometimes. But that's kind of the big thing is just, the awareness, the coaching staff has empowered him to to do more, to want to do more offensively, to attack off closeouts, to to finish hard in the paint, that kind of stuff. But it's just those, you know, handful of moments here and there where you're kind of like, ah, like let's, you know, share the ball or like get it to one of your playmakers and, and go back to doing your thing on the floor. Not to say that he can't step out of his comfort zone and try to do, do other things, but it's just you got to be prepared when those moments happen. Who's more physical, Cam or Tari? Oh, Tari. I'll give it to Tari. I think Cam Cam's incredibly physical on his drives, for sure, but I think just the more physical player in general, I think it's got to go to Tari. Like Tari is he it's like it's like uh it's like hell in the cell when when you're playing offense against Tari Eason, man. I would not I would not want to have to if you if you put me on the court with Tari Eason and said your life depends on getting one bucket against Tari Eason. You gave me a hundred possessions to do it. I think I'm going to die. Alec Conley, I don't think I'd be able to score on Tari. If he was like actually locked in, like, like he wouldn't even have to be, he could be like 50% locked in. There's not a chance in hell I'm scoring on Tari. There's no way. It's not uh, happening. Well, that takes us to the rookies. The rookies. All right. Which rookie Cam. are we talking about first? A man or Cam? Well, let's, start, let's start with Cam. Let's start with Cam. So you talk about his physicality. And okay, his Cam, okay. Cam Stan. No, go, go for hey, it. Hey, man. Hey, I am a big fan of Cam Whitmore. It's just he he can shoot, man, and he can finish, man, and he can play some defense, man, whenever he's, he, you know, he he's a good player, man. I, man, yeah, I, the, I can't stop de- saying the man. De- the de- well, because so I, I, I think I know where you were kind of going with the physicality because, like, just for the defensive side of things, it's kind of funny to see. Also, I, I will agree with you that the Tar East and great. B plus. I'm a I'm a go same as you there. Okay. Um the Cam Whitmore stuff defensively is kind of surprising in a way that like you watch him and like we we got a glimpse of this during training camp, right? Remember there was that play where like LP posted up Cam and Cam didn't move. Like he was yeah. just like he stayed stationary. And LP is a strong dude and he has a, a good amount of weight and strength on Cam Whitmore. Cam didn't budge. And so you see that on certain drives, players will drive against Cam Whitmore. And like, you know, players drive expecting to get, you know, north to south, right downhill. Players will drive against Cam and they're going more east to west because he's just pushing them away from the paint as they're driving into his chest. And he's just not giving any ground. So his man to band defense on certain drives has been really impressive. When, when you can keep a guy kind of east to west versus north to south, like you just talked about, that's that's obviously very impressive. And he's had a few possessions like that where puts you in awe, like, you know, he has the tools to be successful on that end. I think for me, offensively, he's night and day from where he was to start the season up playing within the role of the offense. We knew he could score. We knew he could do all those things. And he can, you know, bail you out into the shot clock because he can create separation and he uses athleticism to get past you. But for me, it's just the fact that whenever he's playing within the offense and he's using those skills to play off of Alper and Shangun or play off of Fred Van Fleet as a safety valve off the, on the opposite wing, kind of like a, like a, like a one, two, like, like there's guard guard on both sides and which he may likes, he may loves the kind of the guard guard action. He's been used as a screener a little bit too, 
I'm I'm just very impressed with Cam, and I'm at a point now where I think you have to play him 18 to 20 minutes at least every night because he's doing so much for you scoring the basketball. And Jackson, especially for a bench unit that struggles to defend, the Rockets are at their best when they score and let their offense set up their defense. And when you have Cam Whitmore who can score and play off the bench, I think it's worth you know, if you don't want him to start, it's worth playing him more because he allows your bench unit, which struggles defensively at times, to be able to score and set up the defense. So so for me, right now, I'm giving him a B because he's a rookie, but he's shown me enough flashes where I think he deserves more time in the rotation. I'm going to go B-plus for Cam from what we've seen so far. I expected the defense to be a bit more of a train wreck than it is right now because, again, there's moments where he actually looks really passable on that. And there's, but the, and the thing is, he's a rookie. He's going to have rookie mistakes. He has them every so often. But the other part is, I think he he provides you so, so much of an impact already with his scoring, with his size. Um, the fact that he's not, you know, a complete disaster defensively as a rookie, which is just already a bonus. I think that the good far outweighs any of the bad with Cam Whitmore. You know, you'll see him, he'll have a bad foul or he'll make a, you know, he'll take a quick, you know, probably ill-advised shot offensively or whatever, uh, or he'll have a downhill drive where he looks a little out of control. Like he has those those moments, right, where you see him, Almost like a, like a baby giraffe still trying to figure out yeah. like what's going on. Where he's he's still trying to figure out how he can be effective, right? He's just, he's just yeah. out there hooping. Yeah. And, but it has been really exciting to watch him because the, then you see the moments where, like, he's sizing up a defender and he does, like, his quick little he get to his step back and then, boom, step back, drains the three. And it's like, oh, wow, that's, like, in his bag. Or he had that one possession uh, back against... Uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks when he posted up Damian Lillard where he had Dame just on his back. And, and rather than just like the mentality of like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to straight line drive or this, that, he took his time, backed Dame down, got to a sweet spot, turned, spun, kissed it off the glass. Just He's got like a, almost like a methodical level to his game where he understands tempo. He understands how to speed up, slow down when he needs to. Um, and that's only going to get better with age. You got to remember he's 19. He is like, he's legit still just like a baby. So like watching him have this level of impact already, um, sky's the limit for, for Cam Whitmore. I'm completely bought in. Um, let's get to Amin Thompson now though, because I think Amin Thompson has been incredible in his own right. On the other end of the floor, his defense has been absurd so far, Ali Khan. Like it's, it, his defense is better than advertised at this point. You know, before the season, we did our little rankings of like who's the most valuable prospect on this team. Yeah. I put Amen as number two, and man, you know those those skills, those traits you're no, talking no, about you defensively. Had him in number one, don't you dare! You had him in number because you and I, we differed at the end because I had Jabari one, Amen two. You had are you sure? I think I had I think I had Jabari one. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. confident Jabari one. You know what? We're we're mid recording. We're gonna have to go back and fat. We need we need LOR fact checkers on this. Where's my Who's the fact checker that yeah. does like the presidential debates? I don't even know their name off the top of my head. Whatever. Point is, all right, back to your point. I'm sorry for derailing. Go. No. So, you know, there, there's a couple things I like with the men defensively. One is that he knows how to stay on the hip, the hip of the offensive player. I think the Rockets have improved defensively and you're seeing Jalen and other players do a better job of kind of technique wise fighting over the screens and staying attached. A man sometimes does it and you may, he makes it look so easy and how he's able to navigate around screens. So that's one. Second is his recovery. It's like a wing usually has the ability to recover and kind of block a shot or a big can. 
Amen's a point guard, obviously very tall, like, but whenever he's defending even bigger players, he has this ability just to recover and not get too lost on an initial drive. Um, so you, you knew the athletic traits that were there offensively with his speed and athleticism, but the fact that they can also be replicated defensively is something I'm very excited about. I think he's got decent hands so far too. Like just, you know, very, very quick, active. quick, quick, just like Fred, just mm-hmm. like Fred. Yep. And, and I'm sure I'm dude, I'm sure that's one of the things that you know, having right. One of those intangibles, right. Of having a Fred Van Vliet on your team is the way that he's able to coach up these young guys and explain, Hey, this is how you dig, right? This is, you know, when a player is driving here, you know, take a quick swipe yeah. at the ball, whatever that kind of stuff. So I'm sure that he, you know, a has had, you know, Fred's had plenty of conversations with Amin about how to be more impactful on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, you know, I've been impressed with just how he hasn't really, he hasn't settled for not being a shooter yet or for not being a good shooter yet. Like he, like I think that at times you have players who are, you know, bad shooters or non-factors when it comes to shooting the basketball, who just, you know, are going to, they're going to station themselves at the three point line and, and that's it right there. And, and at that point it's, it's a win for the defense when the ball gets swung to you. And then that player has to be the one to take the shot. That's just not effective, right? I, I don't think a min, and credit to the coaching staff and also credit to a men for making the most of his minutes when he's on the floor, they're not utilizing him that way. They're not just putting him in the corner and saying, go stand there. And when the ball gets swung to you, shoot it. He's roaming offensively, right? He's being used at times as a screener. He's being used as a cutter. Um, he's really active on the offensive glass. And we've already seen uh, these small little flashes of how he and Alper and Shingun are able to play off of one another, even though they're both, you know, you can classify them both as non-shooters, right? I've argued for a very long time, two non-shooters can work on the floor with one another if they're both high-level passers. And if you've got proper spacing around those guys. Number one case in point, which is a little hard to replicate, but the Golden State Warriors, when they had Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala in their like death lineup. Now, granted, they were also flanked by two of the greatest shooters of all time in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. But the argument still stands is that Iggy and and Draymond are incredible passers and they mitigated their lack of shooting in that lineup by having incredible ball movement, by moving well without the basketball, by finding their teammates, by finding each other, all that stuff. And I do think there's a world where you can see a dynamic between Amin Thompson and Alper and Shingun where they feed, they have fed each other, right? Whether it's Amin driving in, collapsing the defense, pitching it back to LP and LP's got his free little, you know, easy shot put right there because the, the big man had to, you know, had to address the Amin Thompson drive, or you've got Alper and Shingun, you know, faces up at the elbow, hits a spin move, you know, draws a second defender. And then Amin Thompson is kind of floating in that dunker spot area. And then boom, a little dump off pass from Alpi. Amin Thompson gets an easy two at the rim. Those two can function and work off of one another. I agree. Um, I do think one of them has to develop a shot at some point, but right now we're seeing how two high IQ guys who process the game at an incredibly fast speed, the way they both do and can pass at the level that they do and have the court vision that they do. It works and it can work. I, I love watching a men play. I will say a couple areas I wanted to work on is de- defenses are starting to figure out in terms of the game plan. De- uh, whenever he drives baseline, he, you know, he's looking to score. He's much better driving baseline as he scores than he is driving middle. When he drives middle, oftentimes he's trying to set somebody else up. And so oh, it's becoming a l- little predictable in that way. 
I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's because, you know, he's able to find, like like you said, Alperin Shengun for those dump off passes. He's able to make those cross court passes at the opposite corner. He's doing all those things. Just not, I want to see him add a floater game, a consistent floater game, add a consistent mid range game, which he's shown that he can make. Uh, being able to keep the defense, you know, guessing and on their toes about what's going to happen. When you drive baseline, he could make that pass. We've seen him zip that pass to the opposite corner when making baseline. But doing that more consistently when that when that three-point shot is opening up. They played him as a starter with Cam Whitmore. and uh, Sorry, it was Alperin Shangood and Amen Thompson with Cam Whitmore and two other shooters. And that's why they played so well together, Jackson. Like you said, two non-shooters, three shooters. They can play well together. He can screen. He can do all those things. And like you said, whenever you have a passer who can do and make those passes, not everybody can make with those kind of one-handed zip passes or just kind of moving it from one end to the other end, that opens up so much for your offense. I give him a grade of a B as well. Both rookies get a B for me. I'm going to go with a B for a min as well. And and I do think that if for a min, I, I wonder what he would look like right now if he hadn't missed a month of the season, right? Like it's it was really Fair. tough for yeah. him to, and I do think that's the other really important part is the Rockets rookies have been, impactful and have been good. They're not just being thrown out there. They're not just getting garbage time minutes and getting shots up in mean, you know, in games that don't mean it. These guys are playing games that mean something. This team wants to win these games. It's not, they're not a garbage team. That's going to be top of the lottery. They're not head, you know, barreling towards, you know, a top five draft pick this year. These games, every single one of these games that they play means something. That's why that loss against the Blazers stings so badly because they know that they should have won that game. So, these guys are getting legitimate, impactful, important minutes and are making the most of them. And I do, you know, the, the fact that we're seeing a men get comfortable as quickly as he has, despite the fact that he missed about a month of the season, I I, I wonder where he would be at as far as de- his development prog- progress if he hadn't missed that time. But it's just going to be even more exciting to just envision, okay, where is he going to be a month from now when he's, you know, actually at that point when he gets more and more reps under his belt. So some really exciting Final. stuff here. So. Final question for you, Jackson. Oh, Lord. And this I don't can, like this. No, these are never good. Is this quick, quick, quick yes or no? Okay. Will the Rockets finish with a play in seed? Yes or no? Yes. 10th seed. I say yes, and I also say 10th seed. All right. There okay. we go. We made, it, we made our, our little midseason prediction here. I can't wait for us to be horribly wrong when the season comes to an end because the Rockets locked up the 6th seed, baby. No, I'm kidding. All right. On that note, if you watch, whether you're listening to this, watching it on YouTube. Give us your thoughts. Go in the YouTube comments. Drop your own grades for these guys. How did you feel about the discussion? Where are you at on Jalen Green? How do you And feel don't just say sorry. Don't just say Jalen's been playing bad or you're disappointed. We, we I, I think for the most part a lot of people have been disappointed with Jalen's play. But I, I think another question maybe Jackson that we could have our audience talk about is what would you do to help Jalen be more successful? And that's the that's something I'm curious to see what Rockets fans do they align on that? What are your thoughts on what can the Rockets coaching staff do to put Jalen situations where maybe he can be more successful? All if, right. if, or, if you, or if you think he's already put in good situations, I'm just curious on kind of where, where Rockets fans are on that as well. All right. So that's, that's your homework assignment from Alicon is going to the YouTube comments. What can the Rockets do to put Jalen Green in situ- situations to be more successful I'm not saying he he has not been. I'm just curious on if you think yes. All or right, no. all right. He's 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 getting all defensive now, which is a good sign that we need to wrap up the episode. Ali Khan, you know the drill. Let everyone know where to track you down at. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider, and catch me on Locked On every week.
That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>